Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, hour number two underway now at 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. We are foregoing the traditional Reagan top of the hour open because we got out a little bit late with Jack Windsor. Very action-packed first hour of the broadcast today. Uh, we spoke in the first half hour with Lieutenant Governor John Husted. Then we talked to Jack Windsor about some of what we talked <laughs> to John Husted about uh, regarding uh, the return of high school sports in the fall uh, here in the state of Ohio and more. Um, this half hour is open, so really great opportunity for you. Dial now, 216 Coming up in a half an hour at about 10.35, we are going to talk with uh, Mark Lauder, chief strategist of Team Trump, Trump 2020, and the re-election campaign. We'll get his thoughts on what happened last night at the DNC. We're not talking a ton about that right now, but Mark Lauder and I will. Uh, but if you missed the lieutenant governor, I want to uh, specifically speak to student athletes and parents right now because this is, you know, obviously very important to you. And by the way, you may have noticed, probably did, that when the lieutenant governor and I spoke, we spoke so much about football. This is not in any way intended to be disrespect to dis- disrespectful to, you know, soccer players and parents, uh, volleyball. Well, that's a non-contact sport according to the OHSAA, so they were allowed to play anyway. Uh, but any of the other sports, lacrosse, we're just talking football mostly because it's the most highly participated sport. It's uh, got the largest numbers, largest teams, more people play it. It's the most popular sport, et cetera, et cetera. But this applies, of course, to all student-athletes. Uh, so Lieutenant Governor Houston and I uh, spoke at length about what is going to happen since the governor greenlit sports to be played yesterday in his much-anticipated press conference. Uh, is everything hunky-dory? No, absolutely not. Uh, there are some concerns uh, that the governor has, which is why this is going to be tentative and largely left up to the schools. The schools will decide if they want to play in the fall, or if they want to play in the spring. The schools will decide if there are too many positive cases, whether or not they have to shut down their team before the state would make a decision like that. But for now, the positive news is that, yes, um, fall sports will be played. Fall contact sports will be played starting this Friday, as a matter of fact. On the 21st, uh, teams can have scrimmages with other teams, tomorrow, uh, either Friday or Saturday. And then, of course, the season starts the following Friday on the 28th. I asked Lieutenant Governor Husted why this was so important to him, because he has truly been a champion for getting kids on the field. We had many superintendents, uh, particularly a lot of urban areas, uh, where they had basically already canceled fall sports. I want to back that up a little bit. That was uh, not a, not the right clip. I wanted you to, wanted you to hear rather why uh, this was so important to Lieutenant Governor uh, John Husted, and uh, we may or may not have that clip ready to go. But he basically said what I and and quite frankly a lot of callers have said to me in the in the weeks that we've been waiting for this decision. Kids need sports, particularly football, because it drives them. It truly does. It drives them to get good grades, to remain eligible. A lot of at-risk kids in particular need sports as their motivator. It's a huge, huge part of their life and their character development. And John Husted knew, uh, and what he said to us was that, you know, without sports, so many of those particular types of kids, at-risk kids, are in real, real jeopardy of doing some really, really bad things giving up on school, getting frustrated, getting depressed. We've seen the rates of suicide attempts. We've seen the depression, clinical depression. We've seen drug use increase in kids. All of these numbers kept by the CDC. So if you don't give these kids sports as their outlet, 
particularly during a pandemic in which they've had so many other things taken away from them, including in-person schooling in so many places. Um, you are really putting those kids in jeopardy. So that's one of the things that John Husted said. Then I asked him, okay, but why don't you just allow spring, or excuse me, fall sports to stay in the fall, rather than saying, if you choose, you can play them in the spring? This was his response. We had many superintendents, uh, particularly a lot of urban areas, uh, where they had basically already canceled fall sports, and um, we just thought that, gee, this is going to give those schools a chance to do it in the spring. Um, it, we, we weren't, look, we're not in the, in the position of trying to encourage them to do that or, or to tell them when they have to do it. This is giving them the opportunity to do it. And we know that there are different community standards in every community. There's different risk tolerances. There's different opinions. Um, it's supposed to be about the kids. It's supposed to be about giving them a chance to compete, to have something to look forward to. If I was a kid who's, who was was a sing, you know a football player, and I maybe wanted to go try to play football after college, and my school had already canceled football. I would have been devastated. I think the idea of that that there's a potential to do it in spring can give many of them hope that that maybe they can put the helmet on one more time. And I agreed with that assessment. That is important, uh, and to give them a chance to do that. I still prefer, would prefer that everybody play, but again, as the lieutenant governor said, if you, the kids aren't prepared this summer to play this fall and the schools have already pulled the plug, then those kids have nothing and no outlet at all. It's better to have an opportunity in the spring than not. So this is just part of uh, what Lieutenant Governor John Husted and I discussed. We're going to post this interview shortly, uh, if not on our uh, – we've had Internet outages like crazy and probably with the webpage. If we don't get it up on whkradio.com, follow me on social media and I will post it to France Radio on Twitter and Facebook and Parlor as well. Okay, I promised some phone calls. Let's get there. Chuck is in Akron and you are on AM 1420 The Answer. Chuck, go right ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. Um, yes, sir. I, I own a, uh, an industrial distributor uh, company and uh, we sell uh, N95 masks, uh, other PPE. Um, all the major brands, 3M Honeywell, all that stuff. Um, and I, I, I think it's much worse than what your previous guest was stating in that I don't think they're just inflating the numbers. Um, I think there's been, and I hate to use the word conspiracy, but there's been uh, 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 something going on with big tech. Uh, they, uh, they're not just hiding the truth about COVID, but I think they're actually making things much worse. Um, and I think they're actually creating infections, and I, I think it might be on purpose. Uh, like I said, we have we have the N95 masks uh, in stock uh, now, and we've had we've had them from the beginning, uh, you know, from from all this. And uh, but we've been blocked uh, by you know Google, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, many others, uh, eBay, some of them, uh, a lot of other ones, uh, basically from advertising on those sites allowing people to know that they're that they are available and that they can actually access these now a, a, a bandana over your face or you know those paper surgical masks only go so far you know and I, I I think that it's you know that they've actually caused these infections intentionally by not allowing these ads or even listing you know uh, the n95 masks especially in the beginning you know, I, it's a it's a good question. It's worth exploring. I, I don't know that I would go that far to say that they caused it uh, by, by not advertising these. I remember way early, way early, and I'm talking f- 
early February, before this kind of this kind of became a thing, where everybody said, you know, we have to take some drastic steps. There's this very highly contagious, very deadly virus coming in from China. Blah blah blah. But I remember very early seeing advertisements on, and I'm talking about. Um, um, uh, targeted advertisements on places like Facebook, where you know you get all kinds of different things. I remember seeing face masks advertised in those places and on Amazon. Uh, if you go on your Amazon Prime account and you just see suggestions for this, that, and the other, I saw those N95 masks advertised way back in late winter, before you know spring, and before shutdowns even started in the month of March. So. I don't know what that means, but I do know that I, my wife and I discussed it. And we said, why are these things becoming so uh, so popular? Why are we getting targeted with these advertisements? There has to be a reason for that. I just don't know what it was, Chuck. And, I, and, and again, I, they would not permit any, any PPE, uh, particularly the N95 masks, uh, particularly early on. Right. Save those for the first responders and the frontline workers, et cetera, we were told. Right, and and we had them available in stock here for everybody to use. You know, I mean, my, my dad is one of the folks that are high risk. He's an old, old, older gentleman with mm-hmm. uh, major respiratory issues, and mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of folks that that, that probably could have benefited from it uh, that just couldn't get them uh, as a result of the you know the the advertising ban where they right. Which I, may have I, which I, may have increased the spread, and then you know thus led to uh, obviously a, a you know a much wider need for those. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, uh, we'd love to help out anybody that that is interested. Uh, if if uh, you'll allow me to mention my website, I'd sure, be happy sure, to do ahead. that. Yeah, go ahead. It's uh, adroitproductsgroup.com. Uh, that's a d r o i t productsgroup.com. And we, like I said, we have them in stock. We'd love to help okay. anybody. Um, and. Uh, you know, well, answer I, any questions. I appreciate that uh, very much, uh, and thank you so much, Chuck, for that offer to try to help everybody. You've got them in stock, and that is good. Yeah, they, the questions are uh, complicated, to be honest with you, because I don't have an answer for that either. Uh, you know, why they would have, uh, d- you know, they, they called again at the very beginning for people not to use those, not to buy those, not to take them up, and then, of course, no advertising for them. I don't really understand it either, but uh, I appreciate your offer to everybody. Uh, Dan in Middleburg Heights next. Hi, Dan, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, that was an interesting call you just had there. <clears throat> it may uh, bridge to what I just wanted to say. I see that the cases that Jack Windsor was talking about. You know, where you have one one person that's uh, a symptomatic test positive, and then, and then five other house. people in her family. Yeah, this right. Proves to me, I've got in my world. I have friends who have friends, and we talk, and they have friends. We don't know anybody for the last. I'm not saying there's not a virus. We don't know anybody that has a flu, cold, or this virus. If you extrapolate these cases, it's no wonder these people emphasize they want tests. They've got a political scam angle, I believe. It has to be, because look at what the voting. You gotta, you've got whatever uh, the Secretary of State, you know, he's trying to tell you you've got to have a mask to go in the vote. The Democrats would climb down your throat if you tried to do that, and you're a Republican. So I believe this is a a convenient political scam to drag down the economy, what they've been doing, because it's an open-ended unsolution. They can make it go as long as they can make it go. Well, there there have been a lot of people that truly believe exactly that, and uh, Dan, and that that this entire thing is going to dissipate around November 4th. Uh, regardless of who wins, to be honest with you, uh, and especially, though, if Biden wins, and I appreciate your call, uh, Dan, there is a, an element of politics to this. There is an element of fear-mongering, and some people call it panic porn, 
that is being pushed and being elevated because they want people, uh, you know, to stay home. They want schools to stay closed. They want people to stay home. They want businesses to stay limited, stay limited in their hours of operation. Because if the economy continues to struggle uh, under the weight of the COVID nonsense, that the appetite for change might be in the air come November third, and that's the goal. And uh, once it's over, I think then uh, we'll probably get back to some semblance of normalcy either way. Uh, 1022, quick time out, right back after this, AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM, it's the Bob France Authority. Okay, 1026, let's get a couple of more calls in here before the bottom of the hour. We are going to be talking with Trump 2020 Chief Strategist Mark Lauder at 1035 about yesterday's DNC pack o lies. Uh, Matthew, calling from Medina on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Matthew, go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good to hear your voice. You've got a terrific program. What I have to say won't take too long because there's others on. Okay. But uh, this governor, I don't think this guy knows where he's at. I think his mother dropped him on his head when he was a baby. But anyhow, getting back to this spring sports, you can't split this, Bob. I'll tell you why. Ohio, and you know this as well as I do, this weather, in, in if they want to go in the springtime, March and April, we have snow then. It's cold. It rains. You can't have kids playing football in that kind of weather. What's the matter with him? I told you his mother. Well, football, 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 football is actually Matthew the only sport really that does play through snow and the rain. You can't play baseball in it. You can't run track in it. But football is really the only sport you do that in. It's just that usually it's at the end of a season. You know, you know, fall goes into the winter, and then the championships play. You know, in the snow, oftentimes this time for spring. It would be strange because it would be the opposite. You'd be practicing and getting ready for the season yeah, in the in the snow of February, <laughs> uh, and then playing in March yeah, when right. it can still be snowy and rainy. But, but yeah, football. You know, it, it, in all fairness, football can be played in those elements because it, because it always has been. It's just not ideal. Well, this shutdown that they're trying. This guy almost sounds like a communist. You know you. And I'm I'm a World War II veteran, and boy, my blood is boiling because we can't do this, can't we do it. But and oh, but by the way, thank you for that thing you sent me from the Citizens for Freedom. Thank you for that. Oh yeah, that I got as mail. promised. I, I took it to a yeah, doctor's it office. I took it to a doctor's office, and I and they said you got to wear a mask. And I said, oh no. I said, you want to read this? She wouldn't read it. The doctor came out. He wouldn't read it either. So, but uh, I <laughs> said, do you want me here or don't you? And he said, well, go in the room there. <laughs> that ended that in a quick hurry. But I go out, no mask, no mask. I will not wear a mask. And I'll be damned. And if we can only, the whole big problem in this country is we got so many sheep in it, they just keep following the crowd. And I would never knuckle under to any of these guys. And if we could get the people just, just to rise up, say, say no more and don't do it and let's have our football, we don't need you. Don't pay attention to anybody. They can't throw everybody in jail. So, uh, I, I, when I, <laughs> really, uh, you know, there isn't that much room. And uh, so I'm just saying, God bless you, Bob. Keep up the good work. And I'm not knuckling under. And God bless America. Well, and God bless Mr. Trump. God bless you, Matt uh, Matthew and Madonna. I appreciate your call. Thank you, good sir, and all for all of your kind words. Um, look, um, 
couple of things. Uh, I'm so glad to hear you standing up for your rights. The ma- the mandating of wearing masks is a violation of our free speech. It's our First Amendment. It is just it's not negotiable. It is absolutely a violation. Those cards that we send people when they join Citizens for Free Speech at citizensforfreespeech.org um, are not. They do not carry the weight of law. That doctor could have just told you, "Nope, I don't care what it says. I don't care what your free, you say your rights are. Get out or put a mask on." He can do that if he wishes, and you can't do anything about it. But it does give you the case to be made to say, "Look, these are my rights. This is what the First Amendment says." And oh, by the way, I do have an exception that is allowed under law. The mandate given by Governor Mike DeWine was uh, did uh, provide for exemptions and exclusions for medical purposes. And it is not your, you do not have the right to ask me what my medical condition is. Just know, as this card states, that I have a medical condition and I do not have to wear a mask because of it. And if they really want to go and be a jerk about it, let them. Uh, but uh, this does give you an opportunity to fight back. So by all means, if you want one of those cards, uh, log on to citizensforfreespeech.org and uh, become a member. Uh, your information will be safe. It will not be sold. It will not be rented. It will not be given to anybody. It is a very, very safe organization, one I'm proud to be a part of. All right, we're going to get a call, a time out here for uh, our news. And on the flip side, a call from Mark Lauder. He is the chief strategist for Trump 2020. He'll join us next. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1035, we continue now at AM 1420, The Answer. We've had an absolutely packed show today. Thanks again to uh, Lieutenant Governor John Husted. Thanks to Jack Windsor talking about Ohio's um, uh, fall sports and whether or not kids who are going back to school are going to be able uh, be allowed to play, what the uh, mandate is going to be regarding masking during voting. But now let's turn our attention to national politics and, of course, the election that is coming up. The DNC is in full swing. Paco lies after Paco lies being spewed forth from the virtual Democratic National Convention. Joining us now to react to some of those lies is the Director of Strategic Communications for Team Trump, President uh, Trump and uh, Vice President Mike Pence in the re-election campaign, Mark Lauder, on AM 1420, The Answer. Mr. Lauder, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Are you entertained by what you're serious? <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm bored stiff by the, aside from the lies and all, all seriousness, this, you know, chain of video after video after video on Zoom is getting monotonous and boring. Are you uh, are you watching it all or are you just able to stand the highlights? Well, I was watching paint dry and then I flipped over and, re- and realized <laughs> that watching paint dry was still more interesting. <laughs> if, if there was a fiction section of, of television, this would truly be it. I mean, seriously, do the Democrats think Bill Clinton should be lecturing anyone on how on what should what should ha- actually happen in the Oval Office? I mean, it just shows you how out of touch with reality they actually are. They had uh, uh, Scott Jennings. Uh, they had a rare moment in which they allowed a Republican to speak on CNN as part of a panel on Anderson Cooper last night. And he asked that question. He said, you know, how do you guys defend the idea of putting Bill Clinton up there? Uh, how has he not yet been canceled by the Democrat Party in the wake of the Me Too movement or the ongoing Me Too movement and all of these things that lead to the quote-unquote cancellation of celebrities and businesses and so on and so forth? How do they try Bill Clinton up there as being a paragon of virtue. 
Well, you know, and it's really interesting, and it's also then, I mean, you could, then you can translate that into actual policy areas. I mean, you had Colin Powell, John Kerry on there talking about Joe Biden and foreign policy. It, it was Defense Secretary Robert Gates in the Obama administration who said that Joe Biden had been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue of the last 40 years. I mean, they were actually singing the praises of the Iran deal, which gave billions of dollars in pallets of cash to the largest state sponsor of terror in the world, Israel's mortal enemy, and that they're defending this? They, they, they want to bring this back? I just don't see how this is an answer uh, for, what, for what ails our country and for what ails the world right now. Well, not just in foreign policy, Mark, but, you know, as I watch this, as much as I can stand, like you said, occasionally I go to the paint, too, but, um, you know, I hear no solutions. I hear no policy prescriptions. I hear no suggestions as to how they're going to improve this, that, or the other. As a matter of fact, not only are they not offering ideas on how to improve certain things, they are not acknowledging the existence of some things, including the extraordinary double-digit increases in shooting and violent crimes in major urban Democrat-led cities all across across this country. They haven't even touched it. It's remarkable. And well, they can't because they know that every time they open their mouth and they talk about policy, it's, it's the wrong answer. Whether it's Joe Biden's $4 trillion in tax increases, which is twice as much as even Hillary Clinton wanted to raise taxes, whether it's Joe Biden calling police the enemy or Kamala Harris comparing them to the Klan. I mean, these are the policies of the radical Democrat Party. It's been taken completely over uh, by the radicals. And so they're turning our cities over to rioters and to looters and to arsonists. And they, they don't even stand with this basic law and order security of your family, your home. And it's so remarkable. But they can't talk about that because they know that every time they talk about it, moderate America is middle America. They're losing them in droves. Yeah, well, you know, Mark, we're talking to Mark Lauder, chief uh, strategist with the uh, Trump reelection campaign. You're you're 100 percent right. I get very frustrated when you know. I think I think uh, the president said it very well from the tarmac yesterday, or yeah, I guess it was yesterday, or I played it yesterday, so maybe it was Monday on day one. But anyway, he said, "Look, these Democrats." can't even run their city safely. If you look at Chicago and Seattle and Portland and New York and Oakland and, and uh, you know, Cleveland and, and Los Angeles, they can't run cities. How can we possibly turn the keys to the entire country over to people who cannot even keep their city safe? They cannot allow, uh, you know, their, their most important basic function as elected officials to be, t- to be handled, and that is the safety and security of the people that they represent. Well, you're absolutely right. I'll even take it a step further. They can't even run their own elections. I mean, look at the debacle that they did during Iowa. Look at the horrific results that it took, you know, six weeks to get in New York, where one in five ballots were thrown out. Look what they're doing in, look what they're doing in Nevada, in New Jersey, in California. There was a couple that got 80 live ballots sent to their house. I mean, you know they can't even run their own basic primaries, and yet they are telling us that they are the ones that will be that, that can that can protect democracy uh, when at each and every chance they choose government over the people. Since you brought up not being able to run elections and you talk about these things being mailed to the wrong people or too many to one place, mailing them to dogs and cats, President Trump has pointed out correctly, dead people, etc., can you give us your response to the post off post office uh, conspiracy? They literally think that President Trump is having mailboxes removed and post offices closed down, all to stop minorities, particularly from voting um, by mail. 
Um, you know, and of course, uh, yeah. we all know the truth. Hundreds, I yeah. mean, uh, tens of thousands of post office boxes, mailboxes have been removed over the course of years because it's a matter of course. If they're not directing much traffic or using much traffic, they get rid of them. Well, and I wrote an op-ed about this that appeared in Town Hall just yesterday. It said, you know, when it comes to the postal debate, the Democrats' facts must be lost in the mail because there are no <laughs> facts that they're using. Obama, Biden removed 14,000 mailboxes. And by the way, it was Barack Obama himself who twice in his budget requested that the post office end Saturday service. But now all of a sudden it's this giant conspiracy theory. I mean, we all know the post office is poorly run. It's been poorly run for a long time. It's lost billions of dollars, I think $78 billion since in, in just in the last 10 years. So we need to make improvements to it, and we need to bring a business person or somebody with business experience in to fix the problems. But they're turning it into a giant conspiracy without the facts. And, you know, I just have to have hope and I have faith that the American people are smarter than that, and they see through it. How legitimate is the threat, Mark Lauder, um, of losing this election because of ballot fraud, because of an insistent on, insistence on mail-in voting? Not absentee voting, which of course has gone on forever and it's verified and people have to request an absentee ballot. Very different than mailing one to everybody, as you said, an 80 to 1 household, etc., I'm terrified. I think the president's going to win. I think the president has right on his side. I think he has an economic record on his side. I think his foreign policy credentials have been bolstered over three years. All the rest. I think he would win if we have a free and fair election. But how legitimate is the threat if uh, the Democrats are allowed to mess with the mail-in voting? Well, it's very serious, and that's why the, the Trump campaign, the Republican National Committee, and our state parties across the country are fighting in court each and every one of these instances where Democrats are trying to just violate the law and invent new law to, to come up with their election fraud schemes. And uh, we're going to continue fighting it. We're going to continue on the ground. And, and this is where we're going to need people out there, though, watching for us. You know, we need to make sure that they don't try to steal and cheat this election like they do in so many of their other, you know, machine politics states and cities. We, we can win this election. And the challenge I've got for you and every one of your listeners is think about it right now. We are about, what, 74, 75 days away from the election. So a little over two Sounds months. Sounds about right. I need, I need each and every person who's listening who supports the president to do one thing. Find me one more vote. Go out and find someone who didn't vote in 16. Maybe they weren't old enough. Maybe they weren't eligible. Maybe they were, they were sick. Find one person who didn't vote in 16 or maybe who voted the wrong way in 16. Get them to the polls. Because if everybody out there who supports this president finds one more vote, we win this thing in a landslide, and they can't steal it away. Can you give me your view, Mark Lauder, on the Kamala Harris impact on this thing? Uh, Joe Biden, they wanted to paint as a moderate. Joe Biden has pretty much, because of his unity platform with Bernie Sanders, abandoned all pretense of moderation. So he is a far-left socialist because he's allowing Bernie to have such a say in what he is going to do. Now you add in Kamala Harris, who is, according to GovTrack.us, uh, which measures the ideology of every member of the Senate, she is further to the left than Sanders himself. How does this reach moderate America, centrist America, middle America, with such a far-left uh, progressive uh, campaign? It, it just cements the fact that the, the party has been taken over by radicals. The, the Democrat Party of your parents and your grandparents is gone. It's been taken over by the people who are rioting and looting in the streets. And what does it tell you? 
when the vice presidential nominee, as of tonight, for the Democrat Party is further to the left than comrade socialist Bernie Sanders, a man who honeymooned in the Soviet Union. Yeah, a man who proudly calls himself a socialist, and he always likes the modifier of Democrat socialist. It means nothing. There is no difference whatsoever between a Democratic socialist and a socialist. And yes, she's left of that. Uh, this party is off the rails, and when you've got an AOC appearing and only giving a 60-second speech because they know what a liability she can be and will be, but in her 60 seconds, she manages to say, by the way, I nominate by second the nomination of Bernie Sanders for the presidency, not our actual nominee, uh, Joe Biden. No, I mean, it's, it's clear that the squad and, and Bernie Sanders have taken over the party. Their 110-page manifesto, uh, which is, you know, portraying as a unity document. I mean, it's nothing more than a, than a wish list of socialist liberal ideas where the government has taken over everything. Illegal immigrants get free taxpayer-funded health care. We stop deporting criminal illegal immigrants. And we go back to the job-killing policies that led to the slowest recovery since the Great Depression. That's what Joe Biden's record tells you. And then you add to it. We'll go back on, into the Paris Climate Accord, which will kill jobs. We will go back into the Iran deal, which is horrible in terms of giving Iran a nuclear weapon. These are all facts that are not in dispute. And so if we go out there and we have that conversation, and we should have that conversation in every community, in every neighborhood in, across America, we can have it in in impoverished areas. We can have it in communities of color because they know. There was a, just a poll last week uh, from Gallup that 81% of black Americans believe we need more police, not fewer police. That's right. Well, then tell them they've got to vote that way. Time to break the allegiance with the Democrat Party, which has gotten you nothing but poverty and violence and decay. And as the president said, what do you have to lose? He's already shown you that you can have the lowest unemployment rate in history for black Americans or for Hispanic and Latino Americans, or the lowest unemployment rate for women in 65 years. We know those things are facts. We just have to get back to it. And I'm glad to hear you say that as we wrap our conversation. Mark Lauder, chief strategist with um, uh, Trump 2020, uh, just on the economy. Joe Biden's little uh, catchphrase is something like build back better. I I don't know exactly what that means. If Joe Biden had a better way to build the economy back up, wouldn't he have maybe whispered it in the ear of Barack Obama over the eight years that they served together and presided over the slowest economic recovery from recession in American history? Wouldn't you think if he had a way to build back better, he already would have done it rather than let it sit in the malaise of the eight years of Obama before the massive surge of the Trump economy? Uh, You would think, but also let's not forget he was in Washington, D.C. 40 years prior to that. I mean, he, he literally was elected for the first time when when Richard Nixon was still president. I mean, that's how, I mean, but he wants to blame things that on the guy who's been in office for three years and not shine a light and look into the mirror under the 50 years of problems he created. Do you have any insight, Mark, before you go on what the Republican convention is going to look like? I'm hoping that you guys are watching closely and that the RNC is watching very closely this, uh, this, 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 like you said, it's a paint drying festival. It is so boring. It is so canned. I mean, Michelle, 
Obama recorded her speech that she gave Monday night uh, over a week ago before Kamala Harris was even picked. That's why she didn't talk about her. She had to record it and have it edited and have it perfected and just have it spewed forth uh, from Zoom uh, the way that they're doing it. I hope that the Republicans are learning from what, to, you know, basically learning what not to do. No, we absolutely are. And we're going to have, it's going to be a very uplifting and hopeful and optimistic uh, convention. That's the president's view. He, he believes that America's best days are to come. When you look at this convention, it's so dark. It's so depressed. It has a, such a negative view about our country. That's not the way Americans feel. I'm standing right now in Wisconsin waiting for the vice president who will be here in about an hour and a half. And there are hundreds upon hundreds of people who are already lined up standing out the door to come see him. We've got the energy, we've got the message, and we've got the policies. Now we just have to get the, get people to the polls and make sure that they, they exercise their right to vote. Don't let the Democrats cheat it from you. Well, that's exactly what the goal has to be. Uh, we've got to get everybody out to vote. We have to make sure that they are legitimate votes, that everybody's vote is counted, and that everybody only gets to vote once, and that we know who cast those ballots, not those mailed in, because Lord only knows who filled it out. Got to the mailbox first, scribbled a signature down, and then said, I dare them to challenge and find that the signature doesn't match and uh, and commit voter fraud, because I think that's what they would do. They are so desperate for uh, for power. Mark Lauder, Director of Strategic Communication for Team Trump. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for the uh, inspirational and motivational words uh, on this. No, thanks campaign. for having me. You got it, sir. Thank you so much. Mark Lauder, he's right. He, Trump is in, and I'm sure the RNC is going to be that way. It's going to be uplifting. It's going to be hopeful. It's going to be positive. It's going to be uh, forward-thinking rather than, oh, doom and gloom. Oh, the rest of the world doesn't like us. Oh, we've ticked off China. Oh, we need to get back into the Iran nuclear agreement. Oh, we have to get back into the Paris Climate Accords. Oh, we've got to rejoin and give uh, a massive amount of our money to the World Health Organization that allowed China to cover up the worst pandemic uh, since 1918. I mean, all all of the negativity from the left that you are seeing in this Democrat uh, convention is exactly the opposite of what is required here. And President Trump and the RNC, I think, and Mark Lauder, just be by me by being optimistic in conversations like these, is a prime example: forward-thinking, positive-looking, rather than selling the fear that the Democrat Party sell. All right, quick time out here. It's ten fifty-one. Uh, final segment on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. All right, 1056, final segment of the broadcast. Uh, I want to leave you with a few more of the words from uh, uh, from uh, Lieutenant Governor John Husted. We talked today at length about um, uh, the fall sports decision that everybody in Ohio has been waiting so, uh, I don't even say patiently for. We've been really waiting with bated breath for this. We wanted to find out if our kids are going to be able to have their seasons or not. One of the questions I had to follow up on, with uh, John Husted was about the protocols. What happens if there's a positive test? Now the kids are allowed to play football and soccer and other sports this fall. Can you tell us what the protocols will be for a positive COVID test in a single player on a single team? Will that player have to quarantine? Will the whole team be on lockdown and have to miss a week or two? Uh, what about the last opponent they played? Because you know, one could argue, hey, there's a, you know, somebody came in contact with him on the other team. Because yesterday, yesterday, I believe it was, the governor said something to the effect of, if things go off the rails, that you could shut it all down. So what would be the trigger to shutting it all down? Well, I will tell you that I don't think, I think that will take care of itself, uh, more so than us 
because local schools will know whether it's working or not long before we will. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll know whether they have outbreaks on their team. Um, they they will know. You know that that will that they will be the leading indicator on that, not us. Um, but if look, if you have it, this is this is where the and that's important to hear that, that the schools will be the leading indicator. But there's still an element of this that the government has power over, right? specifically if a player tests positive, whether it's through negligent behavior yeah, or just you know he happens to be, come into contact with somebody who's you know yeah. who's who's positive. So so if a player gets it, is there a specific designated protocol on what will happen, or is that going to be up to the school? Yeah, there there's CDC guidelines. Um, you would if you have it, you have to be quarantined. Uh, and and ultimately cleared by a physician before you come back. Mm-hmm. The the reason is because you know the Big Ten canceled uh, their season um, uh, in large part because of concerns over myocarditis. Uh, we talked with physicians who are cardiologists, and sports medicine experts, and they said that look, this is, we don't know much about the myocarditis and its connection to uh, the virus, but there is an increased risk. So. Um, we want everybody to be cleared by their physician before they go back, which is a reasonable thing to do when it's something we don't know a lot about. Uh, so if you get it, you're going to have to be cleared by a physician before you go back. So that's just a little bit. If you missed the conversation with John Husted from the first hour of the broadcast, we're going to endeavor to get that up on our podcast page. Again, we've been dealing with a virus ourselves, the other kind, the computer kind, that is uh, making it tough for us to give you some of the things that we want to on our webpage. But uh, keep checking back there. And if you can't find it at whkradio.com, I do have the audio, and I will post it on my uh, Facebook and Twitter pages at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, to hear the whole conversation with John Houston. Thanks again to the Lieutenant Governor. Thanks to Jack Windsor, and thanks to Mark Lauder for being our guest today. Thanks to Andrew and Marcy for running our show, and thanks to you for listening to it. We'll see you tomorrow on AM 1420, The Answer. Enjoy the silence.